Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to Morbid early and ad-free. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. You're listening to a Morbid Network podcast. Audible lets you enjoy all your audio entertainment in one app. You'll always find the best of what you love or even something new to discover. They offer an incredible selection of audiobooks across every single genre, from bestsellers and new releases to celebrity memoirs, mysteries, thrillers, which I'm super into lately, motivation, wellness, business, and even more. Audible's the destination for thrilling audio entertainment with highly anticipated new releases and next listen recommendations to habituate every type of thriller listener. Keep your heart rate up month after month with this pulse-pounding collection that you can't hear anywhere else. I actually just finished listening to, it's one of my favorite stories, but listening to it was even cooler. It was The House Across the Lake by Riley Sager. It's narrated by Bernadette Dunn, and I think they just have one of the best voices for an audiobook. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash morbid or text morbid to 500-500. That's audible.com slash morbid or text morbid to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days. Audible.com slash morbid. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. Earn up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase every day. Then grow it at 4.50% annual percentage yield when you open a savings account with Apple Card. Visit apple.co card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card subject to credit approval. Savings available to Apple Card owners subject to eligibility. Savings accounts provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA member FDIC. Terms apply. They say time waits for no one, and in my opinion, neither should Payday. To keep your money moving in the direction of your dreams, get Earnin. Earnin is the app that's helping millions of Americans to feel self-sufficient without falling into debt traps. It's an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck, then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid in your next paycheck. I think Earnin is helpful in so many different ways. You could get ready for like a special night out, you know, Valentine's Day. I think it was on like a Tuesday. What if your payday's Friday? No worries if you have Earnin, you can pay for that Valentine's Day dinner. So download Earnin today, spelled E A R N I N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Morbid under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. Morbid under podcast. Subject to your available earnings location, daily max, and pay period. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Hey, weirdos, I'm Elena. I'm Ash. And this is Morbid. very cute you were like i'm elena i'm elena is somebody on (laughs) cloud nine over there i am i'm just very happy i don't don't know if anybody can tell but i've been like floating on a cloud um 
I won't take up too much of your time because I'm going to I just keep shoving this down your throat and Continue I don't want you to be like shut the fuck up no everybody said because I think you said last time like I'm going to keep shoving this down your throat and everybody was like please do <laughs> okay cool I appreciate it I won't take up too much of this episode though don't worry um if you are looking for a book to read come September 13th of this year you can pre-order my book The Butcher and the Wren right now you can do it at tinyurl.com slash the butcher and the wren you should do it it's awesome it's got a serial killer it's got a female medical examiner that's like kind of a badass i gotta say i love her and <laughs> it takes place in new orleans in the louisiana area and like the bayou and it's like dirty, dirty. and it's grimy it's hot and it takes place in like the woods where nobody should be and get out of there i think you'll dig it I want you to read it because I wrote it with you guys in mind. So, uh, yeah, go pre-order that book, everybody. There's going to be fun stuff up until September about the book. So get ready for it. Hit us with the link one more time. Tinyurl.com slash The Butcher and The Wren. Do it. I love you so much. got my signed copy this weekend. (laughs) You did. And now I have gotten about 458 gajillion messages asking if there's a special way to get a signed copy. I think there is going to be some signed situations going on we're just trying to i can't say anything yet but we're gonna be we're talking about things we're gonna do up until september and beyond okay so trust me there will be ways there will be things going on i'm gonna do as much as humanly possible to make it like a really cool experience for you guys because this is fun i love that and we have some cool ideas everybody's been asking about the audiobook hang tight that's all she I has can say. a really cool I got an idea, idea. but just hang tight because we're everything's in motion. So I love you guys. You rock, you rule, you never roll. change. You do all of it. Hags. Have a great summer. Never change. <laughs> um, in addition to this biatch being a whole ass author, <laughs> we also have a whole ass virtual live event coming up this Thursday. We do, and this is really exciting. I'm excited for it. Okay. Uh are we saying location or no? Uh we can say where it is, like with like the place. Okay, not the actual, not <laughs> like not the actual address. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't be like we're gonna be at four fifty two. No, I'm just kidding. So we have a virtual live event coming up. It's the Dapper and the Flapper. Yeah, yeah. Who knows which is gonna be? Who, who knows who's gonna be who? Who knows? A real surprise. I. You guys are gonna be shocked. <laughs> I think, but it's gonna be a super fun event. Uh, we're doing it in Salem. Yes, which is super exciting. Because guys, I'm so excited. We haven't been to Salem since Caleb visited yeah. in June. Oh, I miss Caleb. I miss Caleb too, but he's. <laughs> coming back in june again for my birthday so that's exciting but yes if you want tickets to this virtual live event the dapper and the flapper you can get them at momenthouse.com slash morbid it's gonna be a ton of fun it is it's gonna be like a like a dirty 20s theme Mm -hmm. it's gonna be great yeah dressing up i'm gonna have a flask tucked into my boot there you go i'm just kidding (laughs) i I have no plans for that actually it's gonna be fun guys and you guys have been so like receptive and awesome about the virtual live shows that we just appreciate you yeah trying to make them fun we're actually already planning the next one after this one so (laughs) so get ready all right well with all that being said i think we should dive into part two i need part two i did leave you on a serious serious cliffhanger i'm hanging off the side of a cliff um i'm gonna give like a couple trigger warnings throughout the episode but i did just want to give one big one in the beginning this one is definitely going to focus on a lot of brutality yeah just so you know like this is a very graphic crime scene that i'm very graphic going to pretty much tell you all about 
And then the second trigger warning I want to give is for domestic violence. There's a little bit more of it in this episode. So if you don't want to hear about that, if that's like triggering for you, then skip forward a little bit. Skip forward and I'll let you know when it's going to come up as well. So when we left off in part one, five members of the Wonderland gang had just pulled off a major robbery at the King of Clubs house. A heist. A heist, if you will. They made a fool of him as they tied him up, shoved a gun into his mouth, and made him beg for his life while simultaneously stealing about a million dollars worth of drugs, jewelry, and the guns that had led them to this whole situation in the first place. You just made a a dude very angry. You made him real mad. And those guns were the antique ones that I uh, mentioned in part one. As quickly as it all started, it was over. And the fact that this literally happened on a Monday morning... That's really scary. So bananas. I I don't like that at all. So creepy. But Eddie Nash was left to figure out what the fuck had just happened to him. Now, in part one, I definitely mentioned that the Wonderland gang were the kind of people you did not want to mess around with. But Eddie Nash was no different. He had connections all over the place. Some people believe that he actually held more power than the police. Oh, wow. And he's definitely got, like, police connections because he gets out of a lot of shit. Oh, it makes sense. And once he started to put the pieces together of what happened to him that Monday morning, he had his eyes dead set on vengeance. So no one's entirely sure how Eddie Nash put two and two together and realized that it was John Holmes and the Wonderland gang who did this to him. There's a couple of different stories. I've seen some sources say that Gregory Dials, who was Nash's bodyguard, was out one day, like right after everything happened, and he saw John Holmes wearing a pinky ring that belonged to Nash. So he was like, obviously, you must have been part of the robbery. How else would you get that? And then there were other sources that said Nash pretty much knew right away, most likely because John had come back to the house on more than one like instance that day of the robbery. Oh, yeah. And for some reason, he must have been like trying to leave that entry point open. Yeah, he wasn't being very sly about it. He was not being pretty sly for a white guy. Now, either way, John Holmes was acting sus and Nash was going to get to the bottom of it. Gregory Dials got a hold of John and brought him back to Eddie. And the rest of the account is actually confirmed by a man named Scott Thornson, who was most notably known as Liberace's partner. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty notable. Crazy. Liberace had actually become somewhat of an investor in Eddie's clubs. So that is why this guy Scott was at Eddie's place the night that Gregory Dials dragged a terrified looking John Holmes into the house. Oh, no. He was there, Scott was, picking up their share of the club's earnings and also buying about a pound of coke for his personal use. Eek. Now, as soon as John Holmes entered the room, Eddie asked Scott to get up and go into the living room. And he said, I'll be with you in just a moment, but you need to get out of here. (laughs) Please leave. And Scott was like, aye, aye, Captain. I need you to have deniability. Exactly. Goodbye. So Scott stepped out, but he heard a wild fight ensue. He said there was definitely furniture being thrown around that room. Oh, damn. He heard yelling and screaming, and he could tell that John was getting the shit kicked out of him. Eddie was yelling about how he was going to teach these people a lesson and that they'd never steal from him again. But then Scott Thornson heard four words come out of Eddie Nash's mouth that would haunt him for the rest of his life. He said, kill everyone that's there. Ooh. Yeah. Now that was the night of July 1st, 1981, just about 48 hours after Eddie had been robbed. So this was like a bang, bang, boom. Oh yeah, he's fully high on emotion right now. And a lot of other things. I was just gonna say, (laughs) 
that and <laughs> drugs and also <laughs> all the drugs yeah so that was about 48 hours after he had been robbed and then scott saw gregory dials and john holmes head out and then he was still there when they came back and they were covered in blood when they came back yeah i bet so no one knows exactly what happened the rest of that night but people have their ideas and they're all pretty much confirmed now the police were not called to wonderland avenue until about 4 p.m on july 1st there were people actually moving out of one of the homes next door because of all the ruckus that had been constantly going on oh god the uh 8763 wonderland ave so the furniture movers were loading their truck up and they heard moans coming from that house And they also saw three men run out of the house. And one yelled back at them, there's dead bodies inside. (laughs) What? Casual. Very casual. Now, the person moaning inside sounded obviously like they were in pain. And it kind of sounded like they were saying, help me. But it was like very muffled. And like they thought that's what they were saying. Imagine hearing that while moving just at like in the middle of the afternoon just the middle of the of the afternoon you just hear pain and moaning from right. inside of a house and somebody just ran out of the house saying there's dead bodies in yeah. there so one of the movers headed over and jogged up the stairs to see what was going on but as soon as he opened the door he saw a scene that he would probably never get out of his get his head again as long as he lived I, nothing could prepare you for that scene no knowing what i know about it i cannot fathom walking into that unprepared oh no because nothing would prepare you for but not even having a notion of what could be in there is and we'll get into it in the second but there were like people that like just walked in there and thought nothing of it crazy one of the first things that i notice about people it's going to sound so weird but it's their teeth i am obsessed with a good pair of teeth and i always want to have a good pair of teeth do you even call them pairs of teeth i don't think so but anyways achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners you guys don't be surprised if all of a sudden your sleuthing friends start asking what's your secret what's your secret about your pair of teeth why do they look so good to get started all you need to do is order your at home impression kit today for only 14.95 bite clear aligners are doctor directed and delivered right to your door. They make it easy to kick off your smile journey. Bites treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, they accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA or FSA. I freaking loved using my bite aligners. I would wear them during the day and nobody would even know that I was wearing them because they're kind of like invisible. It's pretty iconic. And my teeth, my pair of teeth look great. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code MORBID at bite.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with bite. Apply. So immediately, this furniture mover calls 911. And while the police made their way out to the scene, they had no idea what they were going to walk into. This crime scene goes down in true crime history. Yes. Especially because of the video that was taken at the scene. And I found out in my research that... This is interesting. I told Elena this before we started. The video actually later made its way into the trials. And it was actually the first time in California state history that a crime scene video was submitted and cleared as evidence. Yeah, that's wild. I didn't know that. Isn't that cool? I didn't know that. that's really cool. So Robert Souza and Tom Lang were the lead detectives on the case. And Robert Souza said of this scene, quote, there was more blood in that scene than I had ever seen. It was such an overkill that we knew there was something a lot more to it than just a dope ripoff. They had pissed somebody off. This just smacked of revenge. Oh, yeah. And then he went on to compare the scene to the Tate LaBianca murders, which 
we all know are some of the most gruesome in like history yeah 100 and i can see the comparison there oh absolutely when you look at which like just the amount fair of warning because i know a lot of people are going to be googling it because like you are like us mm-hmm. uh just fair warning it's like a real rough scene yeah i'm sure even you know. blurred out it's a terrible even scene. blurred out it's rough but man yeah the amount of anger oh and brutality in this scene right wow just like wow and over material items and drugs. Yeah. Like, it's like, man, why would you, like, fuck with someone that way? Like, someone who, like, it just feels like you, like, obviously none of this is justified. That's no. what I'm saying. Like, the initial, the initial heist. It's like, you, 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 that's some, like, you're all unstable human beings. Right. Like, this is an unstable man. Right. Who has way too much power and way too much money and way too much of everything. And you just humiliated him in his own home and stole stuff from him. It's like, guys, what is everybody doing like, here? How did you think that was going to end there? And then like, what is he? Do- it's, it's just like so many bad decisions every way you look. Right. And it, people getting involved with really bad people. It's that's like, the thing. Stop. Like even Eddie Nash, it's like, how did you think it was going to end exactly. right there? Like you, you didn't think it There's was going to end no- right there. There's no every step of this situation starting with john holmes in the way beginning is Mm -hmm. just bad decision after bad decision after bad decision it really is this story is almost like a cautionary tale like i'm gonna tell this to my children when they're old (laughs) enough to hear it i'm gonna tell them the tale of the wonderland murders i am (laughs) gather around children don't do drugs (laughs) so the one person found alive inside wonderland was ron's wife 25 year old susan Wow. She may have been found alive, but she was hanging on by a thread. She was slumped on the floor next to her in Ron's bed, and she had actually been beaten so badly over the head with either a hammer or a steel pipe, which were both found at the scene, that she actually had to eventually have part of her skull surgically removed in order to survive. Wow. So she survived this attack and then was in like a coma for multiple, Mm. multiple days and probably weeks and then ended up having to have part of her skull surgically removed to live. Because it's probably there was probably so much pressure. That's what I was thinking. And also one of her fingers had been completely severed in the attack. (gasps) Yeah. So she was quickly rushed out of the home and brought to Cedar Sinai. She suffered brain damage and she really didn't have any recollection of the crime other than just seeing shadowy figures moving about. And at one point she did remember hearing someone walk over her and just say she's going to die anyway because they could hear her moaning and they were like, you should get her again. And the guy was like, no, it's fine. Like Like, she's she's going to die die. anyway. Like, look at her. Holy shit. Her husband, Ron, the leader of the gang, was found in the same room, just dead in his bed. He was beaten so aggressively that they were barely able to identify him. Wow. David Lynn's girlfriend, Barbara Butterfly Richardson, was just 22 years old. Didn't have any, like, criminal record whatsoever. And she was found bludgeoned next to the couch that she had been crashing on. She and David had been visiting for a few weeks, and he actually wasn't even home when this all went down. Wow. He was with a sex worker in a motel room doing drugs. Okay. While this happened. All right. Now, Joy Miller and her boyfriend, Billy DeVerell, were found in their bedroom, also bludgeoned to death. Joy was in bed, and investigators found a bloody hammer wrapped up in the sheets. This was one of a, a few hammer bloody is always like... Oh my for God. some reason it's like the hammer because it's in, used for like it's not it's, such, it's a household item that like 
I, it's something about a hammer just to me is so 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 brutal oh my god like I know. beyond oh and it's also like I, this might sound weird but it's shorter too which like makes yeah. it feel more more like personal yeah. like you have to get so close to the person and it has to be this like very personal thing yeah and just to be able to do that to somebody is unreal yeah Oh, yeah. Um, but th- that was one of a few bloody weapons found in the room. And Joy was beaten so badly that I'd, all the sources I read said that from in between her eyebrows to the back of her head was flat when they found her. She had beaten, wow. she had been beaten that badly. Wow. Yeah. Now, Billy was at the foot of the bed, leaned against a TV stand. And on the floor in front of him were actually several bloody metal pipes. Wow. And it was clear that he had actually put up a fight against whoever had attacked him. The entire up of, upper half of his body was just drenched in blood, and his hands actually showed defensive wounds. They, it seemed like he was the main one who had tried to fight off the attackers. Yeah. And I guess you could assume most likely that Joy and, he, and him were the last ones attacked because he had time to get up and kind of realize what like, was going try on. Like, try to fight back. Right. Because when this happened, it was like the early morning hours, probably around three in the morning. Now, the house had been completely ransacked. In addition to blood spatter and brain matter that covered just about every surface inside, there was also drug paraphernalia, clothing and other random things that had been like tucked away in dressers and closets just thrown in the middle of the floor and and in Joy Miller's case onto her body. My God. Now, the police this were so certain. like cold. Oh, cold and it's blooded. Cold blooded murder, and then like cold blooded after this, too. Yeah. Because the police were certain that this house had been ransacked by more than just the people who had killed its occupants. They figured that it obviously must have taken a good amount of time to get the, these four people killed the way that they were killed. Yeah. And that obviously the culprits would have wanted to get out of there pretty quickly after doing so. Yeah. And they later found out that their suspicion was right because the three men who had yelled to the movers about the dead bodies inside, they were customers of the Wonderland gang. And instead of calling the police when they discovered the dead gang... They ransacked the place looking for drugs and any other valuables they could get their hands on. Oh my god, I knew you were going to say that. And they, so they were literally ransacking the closets. Like, that's why there was clothes on top of Joy Miller's body. Because Because they they were were just just throwing things things to get the drugs. Walking through, if, and like, I don't want you to look at this scene because it's like what nightmares are made of, but if you feel like you can. I don't know how anybody walked through this scene and just went about their business and then was like there's dead bodies inside this scene those weren't even dead bodies for the rest of your existence on this earth and beyond those were like i don't even know what they were they were Mm. brutalized bodies drugs are a hell of a thing they really are it's just like that that right there shows you the kind of hold that they will take on someone how desperate you can get that they will just zero in on well we can get free drugs out of this when seeing one of the most gruesome crime scenes in history and this is not the only time that this will happen we'll get to another instance of this happening a little bit later So as the police walked around the scene and took it all in, there were many notes to be taken. First and foremost, whoever had done this had to have some kind of connection to the gang because they would have had to have that gate unlocked for them. Um, They also must have been somewhat familiar with the dogs at the residence or else they would have been deterred. Yeah. But on that same note, the police were wondering, how had nobody heard anything coming from this scene in the middle of the night? Yeah. Why didn't we get any calls about this? 
So the investigators started going around the neighborhood and asking questions. And they found out that people had heard screaming around three o'clock in the morning, but nobody really gave it a second thought because they were used to this house just buzzing at all hours of the night. I was going to say that. Yeah. When you first said that, I was thinking in my head, I'm going to be honest. I wouldn't get involved in this. Nope. Like, I'm sorry. I don't know what the hell's going on in there. Like, no. it seems like this place was constantly having things going on. And it's like, and if you know that those people are involved in like all this shady mm-hmm. underworld stuff, nope. Not touching not that me. with a 10 foot pole. Not me. Sorry. And it's like, they didn't know that their their neighbors were being brutalized. They may have assumed even that their neighbors were doing this to somebody else. Well, that's else. the thing. It's like, you, you gotta, I mean, you gotta weigh your risk thing here. Exactly. And to me, that sounds like a scary thing, especially, I'm sure there have been times where people have fucked up a drug deal there mm-hmm. and gotten the shit kicked out of them or something. They've probably oh, yeah. heard these things before. John Holmes was one of exactly, those people. And they didn't think that this was any different. Like right. somebody's being brutally murdered in there. They were probably just like, yep, that's what happens. Somebody over probably there. fucked up a drug deal. Yeah. Right. It's scary. And it's so sad. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so sad that this is the way that these people were living. But right. It is Unfortunately, I can understand why the neighbors kind of kept their distance. I do too in this situation. One neighbor actually said, and it just kind of explained it and like laid it out for you. He said, there was a lot of traffic all day, all night. Everything from Volkswagens to a Rolls Royce Silver Shadow. They threw bags of dope off the balcony. There was shouting, laughing, rock and roll 24 hours a day. Oh God. So they were, I know, and, and even the neighbors like the movers who heard Susan in the beginning, I said Su- Su- Susan, Susan in the beginning, like they were moving out of their house because, because of the of Wonderland the, the craziness. Right. Yeah. So and if ch- you've ever had shitty neighbors, like, you know, exactly. That when shit goes down, usually you're like, well, that's how they are. Exactly. So all this screaming and commotion was going on inside the Wonderland house and the neighbors just thought it was another, another night. night over there. <laughs> yeah. So that meant that Susan had been laying on the floor clinging to life for at least 12 hours. Wow. The fact that that woman is still alive is fucking bonkers. 12 hours she was lying there. With her skull caved in. How did she not bleed out? That's I have no idea. I have no idea. That's outrageous. She was even like throwing up blood at one point. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I have no idea how she survived. Jeez. So, while the investigators did their due diligence, John Holmes was sleeping in a motel room next to Don, who suspected that something was up with him. Yeah. He kept yelling out in his sleep, something about blood and a lot of it. Oh. And he had come back to the motel that night after being gone for a long time. She didn't know it yet, but he had been to Sharon's place, his wife there. He showed up to Sharon's early on the morning of July 2nd, and she said he looked like something out of a movie. His clothing was torn, and he was covered in blood head to toe. He looked like there that he was just, like, somewhere else entirely in his mind. Like, he had this blank face, and she was like, what the fuck happened to you? Like, what? What? I'm anxious for her. Like, I feel physical symptoms of anxiety for her. Oh, my her, God, I know. I'm, like, that shows up at your door? In, like, the early hours of the morning. And I'd be like, like, I'm sorry. No. Like, uh, like no. We're not together no. anymore. And this is exactly this, why. Not not my situation. But here. again, she is a ride or die bitch. She truly is. And I think she Sharon. just 
cared so much yeah. for the person that she had fell in love with wow, that's and true. somehow maybe she just saw like a piece of him in there somewhere because yeah i mean i that's the thing it's like i can say all i want like i'd be like bye but you don't know until you don't you're know. in that situation you don't know when you when you care about someone right like that's it changes everything i can't imagine drew showing up in like years no. on my doorstep looking like this no nope, i can't either but i also don't know that i would turn him away yeah, you that's know like the thing i love him it's i love him i love him i would i would be concerned if john showed up that way but yeah you know. and sharon was she was like what the fuck are you doing yeah. here looking like this and he was like i got in a car accident and she was like okay <laughs> she's like wow you might be dying though because yeah. that's a lot of blood exactly well so he said that he was in a car accident and he asked her if he could take a bath at her house and sharon later told an interviewer john has a habit where if some if he has something unpalatable to pass off he gets into the bathtub i mean I guess Same. I guess that's like a common thread that runs through all of us. I know. Us. I was like, bad, I hate that I have something in common with shit. John Holmes. Yeah, that's not great. But like, you have but bad shit. Take a tub. Yeah, take, take a, a tub. tubby. You know, take a tubby. <laughs> John Holmes needed a tubby. He needed a tubby. So she was used to his antics by this point too. So she went to the bathroom and she started drawing the bath. But something about his story did not add up. She was a fucking nurse. Yeah, she's like, you don't have wounds. Well, so. that, exactly. <laughs> That's a big red flag to me. She had treated plenty of people who had been in car accidents. They usually had cuts, abrasions, bruises, a scratch at the very least. John didn't have any of no, that. No, he just had blood. He was simply covered in blood. And Sharon started to worry that it was not his own blood. Yeah. Because she was like, it doesn't have a source. So. Yeah, there's no source for this. So, so whose blood is The source is out there somewhere. Yeah. Now, as she got him into the bath, she was like, you need to tell me the truth. Because I'm going to drown you if you don't. <laughs> and for one reason or another, he broke down and told her almost everything. Wow. He didn't name names, but he basically told her exactly what happened. And she didn't know what to do, and she wouldn't speak about the night again until long after John Holmes was dead. Want more from delivery? Well, Dash Pass is your door to $0 delivery fees and more on DoorDash. Dash Pass is the most affordable way to get anything in your area delivered to your door, helping you save money and time with every DoorDash order. DoorDash is like my Friday night thing. It's like my little treat yourself moment. First of all, they have a billion gajillion options to choose from. And I personally have the Dash Pass and it shows you what you save versus like if you didn't have it. My goodness, I have saved so much money on takeout. Plus, DashPass gives you special access to exclusive promotions and member-only menu items, all for only $9.99 a month. Kind of feels like it pays for itself in a weird way. Get more from delivery for less. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash. Use code MORBID and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for DashPass. Subject to change, terms apply. Wow, Sharon. Yeah. Didn't, is his story like we'll get a to play it. by play of what happened? No, not really. He, it's just kind of like an overview. It very much an overview. Okay, and we'll get to it. Okay, but I gotta set my scene. Yeah, setting the scene. So back at the motel, setting the scene. Don was lying next to John, which also Don John is just like funny, mm -hmm. trying to distract herself from his sleep screaming. And as she's trying to do so, she's just watching TV <clears> and she flicks to the news. And as John wakes up, the two of them sat there silently as the story about the Wonderland murders flashed across the TV. Uh-oh. Now, Dawn knew this house as soon as they showed it on the screen. She was like, I know that house. Like, that's, I've sat outside of that house for hours and hours upon hours. Yeah, you big turd. 
So she looked over at John and she said he turned the palest shade of pale a person could turn. Like she watched the color just ooze Drain from his face. Out of his face. She was too afraid to ask him anything too specific, though, because remember, he beats her regularly. So instead of this, she mentioned his uh, sleep screaming about the blood. She was like, you were having a nightmare. Like, are you okay, sweetums? We're talking about blood. And he just brushed her off and he said he had a bloody nose earlier that week. And that was probably why. Yeah. Now, about a week later, Don would find out the truth. During their investigation, the police learned that one Eddie Nash had been robbed just days before the Wonderland gang was taken out. Uh Uh-oh. Now, their source was unexpected, but turned out to have pretty much all the information that they needed to get this case moving. They became connected to one David Lind through a call-in tip by a man named Howard Cook. Howard Cook called in a couple days after the murders, and he said he was with somebody who had valuable information and that they were actually at the crime scene right now. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So the cops were like, park it there. We'll be there in a sec. Now, as they arrived, Howard was outside on Wonderland Ave, and he said the person he had promised had good information was actually inside upstairs. And he was like, I, I told him not to go up there, so like, please don't loop me into this, but he did go up there. So a few cops, including lead detectives Robert Souza and Tom Lang, headed back into the crime scene and found David Lind on all fours, just scooping up various pills that had been left strewn on the floor. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Drugs, man. This is like wild. Make this you is do a case study. Crazy shit. He was quickly placed under arrest because he had just invaded a fucking crime scene. A brutal crime scene. At that. And on his way down to the station, he explained why he was there in the first place. Now, this is really sad, but also, like, I don't want to feel bad for this man, and I don't really. But so he explained the reason why he was there in the first place. The murders had been all over the news, but the names of the victims hadn't been released yet. So people knew that one person survived, but they didn't know who. Now, David was convinced that his girlfriend, Barbara, must have been the woman who survived the attack because she, quote, never did anything to deserve this, which she didn't. No. But that sentence alone let investigators know that their original hunch was right. These murders were revenge-based. Yeah. If Barbara hadn't done anything to deserve this, did that mean that everybody else had? Yeah. So like, David why'd you Lind, say that? <laughs> right. Like, what does that mean? So David Lynn, tough guy, biker, member of the Aryan Brotherhood, and man with a rap sheet multiple pages long. Yeah, I don't feel bad for that motherfucker. No, not at all. And it's like, oh, I'm sorry, you were looking for your girlfriend? Well, and it's like, you brought <laughs> like, her into this situation yeah, in the first place. Exactly. Like, and you. it's like, and then you went and, like, scooped up pills at the crime scene. Like, yeah. wow, you must have been very devastated. Yeah, and you were, like, basically, like, cheating on so her torn while up this about happened. It. So, yeah. But he was beside himself at the loss of Barbara, and the detectives knew that they were going to have to play on his emotions to get where they needed. Yeah. So they did, and he spilled. He explained the entire story about robbing Eddie Nash, and then named a few names that the detectives hadn't heard quite yet. Tracy McCourt, who had driven the car, and John Holmes, who had laid out the entire Eddie Nash house for the gang. Now, David told all the detectives that Tracy and John were pissed about their cut of the loot being so much smaller than everybody else's. Because John Holmes got a cut of what they took from Eddie Nash's house. Wow. His brother, Eddie Nash. Wow. And he was pissed because I think he only ended up getting about like two grand or something like that. And 
David also explained that Ron had wanted to kill Eddie Nash. Remember in the beginning, we were like, why did they leave them alive? Like, it just doesn't really make a lot of sense. No. So Ron had wanted to kill Eddie Nash, Gregory Diles, and actually a woman who had been staying at Eddie's. Uh, But that it was himself, David Lind, and Billy who urged him not to. Because this was just one robbery that they'd committed recently. They had been going on a string of robberies before this. And they, David himself and uh, Billy there felt like escalating to murder would just get the cops heavier on their yeah. cases. So they were like, no, don't do that. I but mean, that's our answer. There you go. So, yeah, because that was very confusing to me. Me too. Because I was like, this is like really going far and like humiliating him in the process, making sure it was like the most like fucked up situation right making sure he felt like the tiniest person ever Mm -hmm. and then you just leave and leave him like stewing and you know who he is and you know who he is he controls half of the downtown yeah that just didn't make sense to me at first i was like what the fuck kind of move is that but then again the entire move is an idiotic move so it's like nothing in this logic has no place here (laughs) but so he told them all of that and the cops figured that they were gonna have to keep him in their good graces because not only was he a valuable source but he was somebody who would probably be good to bring to trial if the time came. Imagine having to rely on a man from the Aryan Brotherhood. No, I for will this. not. That would all. be such a compromising. And like, having to be like nice to him because yeah, having to completely turn off every bit of your natural instinct inside your body. <laughs> That's the thing, because I meant to mention this in the beginning, actually. I for the second part of this, I ended up finding a book that was a fucking treasure trove of information written by the two lead detectives on the case. Oh, yeah. It's called Malice and Wonderland. I'm going to link it in the show notes. I want to read that. But they describe you should read it. It's yeah. really good. You would love it. And they have like all these notes and stuff it's like really interesting but they were explaining this whole scene of like getting david lind into the interviewing room and everything and he still had all those pills in his pockets and he was like on one when they got him and he started just like ripping them out of his pockets and naming what each one was and just like popping them so they were like trying to get information out of him so they were letting him do that because they were like as soon as we stop him our information is done yeah but then he started getting more and more incoherent. Of course. So they were like, we got to let him go, but we can't let him go, go. Yeah. So Oof. it was this big thing. So they did eventually let him go. He was free to go. But they told him he needed to stay in town and that if they needed to be, if they needed to reach him, they wanted to be able to do so in one phone call, like wow. one ring. Like, I don't want to have to fucking chase you. That's Strangely bold. enough, he obliged. I was, I was gonna ask that because I'm like, that's a bold, bold move. It was, and they knew it too. Like yeah. the detectives write about it in the book, but they, they had their hunch that it was gonna work, and it did. They went with it because he, strangely enough, really did seem to love Barbara wow. and was like very, very affected by her death. That's wild. He probably felt guilty. I hope. Yeah, I imagine. So just a few days after their chat with David Lind, Robert Souza and Tom Lang got a call from the L.A. Narcotics Department explaining that they were about to serve a search warrant at Eddie Nash's place. And did they want to come along with them? Oh, boy. So they recently had an informant over to Eddie's place to buy some coke and that gave them their in. Now, the warrant was served on July 10th, and the cops walked out with a similar loot to the one that the Wonderland crew had walked out with just a week earlier. There was about a million dollars in cocaine seized, as well as some of the jewelry and some guns stolen from Nash, now back in his possession. Well in the cops possession but you get what i'm saying (laughs) you get it now that same day so eddie nash gets arrested right then and there he ended up serving four years in prison but that same day the cops tracked down john holmes and arrested him and don at the motel they were staying at 
Now, for security purposes, they set John, Don, and Sharon, who ended up joining them at some point, up at the Bonaventure Hotel, and they start talking to John. But pretty quickly, the team who was in charge of making sure this was a secure location because they wanted to keep their star witness safe, they decided the hotel that they were at was not secure enough. So they actually had the trio moved over to the presidential suite of the Biltmore Hotel. The presidential suite of the Biltmore Hotel. And the Biltmore Hotel is such a iconic... Oh, yeah. Iconic place. It's actually interesting in the book that I just mentioned, Malice in Wonderland. They so the two detectives actually had a connection with like an old security guard that worked at the Biltmore. And that's how they got this room. But one of the detectives had worked on a case in the years past where the room directly underneath the presidential suite had like this crazy like crime story associated oh, wow. with it. I don't want to go too far into it because we'll get off the rails, but but just the Biltmore is like a real rich with true crime yeah, history. Yeah, it truly is. But so yeah, they had them moved over there, and John was happy because he thought the previous room was too small. Oh, okay. Good. It's all about your comfort, yeah, Johnny boy. All about John Holmes yes. and his comfort level. I literally can't. Johnny Wad over there. I can't. Disgusting. Gross. I accidentally saw his penis in the second part of my research. Yeah. I like was just like looking for sources that I hadn't looked at yet. And I pulled one up and it was literally like, Habunga. Oh. And I was like, Oh. Oh. I was like, that's not for me. That's That's not for me. I don't receive that. I do not receive that. (laughs) I don't receive it. Don't receive this negative energy. So yucks. No, thank you. I'm good. Thank you for that warning. I was going to say, be forewarned that if you look into some weird sources you might see you might a stumble upon giant dick a dick drew was probably like what are you doing <laughs> drew's like i uh, care to explain like, you're in my living room like what the fuck drew's like ash you're in the fucking living room my god i was like it's research okay so anyway he was allowed to order all the room service that he wanted to in the hopes that keeping him well fed and happy would lead to more information Jeez, I have now, to placate all these dickwads that's the thing i can't imagine how frustrating this must have been Seriously. for everyone involved because you're just like get fucked i'd be out like it's like in that i'm sure somebody remembers episodes of tv shows like i do like i is this sabrina right now it's not i wish i could connect this to sabrina (laughs) actually i'm kind of glad i can't yeah don't but in an episode of parks and rec where like andy ben and i don't know who else are like talking to um what's his dennis feinstein the like the cologne and perfume guy oh okay yep and they're trying to like placate him to get money from him so he'll write a big check and at one point andy just goes you're a dick (laughs) and then they lose everything that would be he's like i don't know i can't and every time i watch it i'm like i get you dude you're like this is how i feel like i would be in this situation i could only go with it for so long and then i just be like you're a dick oh i can't i'm actually like really good at shit like this like i can play it like on people's things to get information out of them so i think i'd be good at this i end up just wanting to like just leave. i'm like fuck off I yeah you get like around. red in the face and yeah. like you might assault i can't them, so. hide my like disdain for people yeah i don't blame you this wouldn't work i mean you've been around longer too so you've had like more disdain to yeah, walk see, through i've just got layers on me <laughs> <laughs> so he did eventually reveal that he had helped set up the robbery at eddie nash's place by drawing up that map and then going over to leave the sliding door open and he said that he had been coerced quote unquote to leave the door of wonderland open the day that the murders happened all right Mm -hmm. all right now once he gave that final piece of information to the detectives they wanted more 
but he wouldn't give anything else. Wow. Nothing else. That's shocking. I thought he would sing like a canary. Well, he wouldn't say if he knew who the killers were. He wouldn't say if he had been at Wonderland longer than just leaving the door open. And at some point, he just stopped talking completely. So for someone who had just been begging to be placed in the witness protection program (laughs) alongside Don and Sharon, he certainly didn't seem to be giving a whole lot for what that would get him, like that protection. Because you have not earned that yet. Before this, he was begging the detective there. He was like, I need to be in the witness protection program if I'm going to tell you anything. Yeah. And the guy was like, well, like, that's not, I can't tell you, like, definitely that you'll be in that, but I'll, I'll do everything in my power to make that happen and for you. And he's like, you have to, like, give us information for that. Exactly. <laughs> but he wouldn't go past that because Nash had threatened to kill his entire family if he had said anything. Ooh. So he never spoke against Nash. Wow. So the detective who had been sent to interview him was named John Helvin. He was a senior detective with a lot of experience. And he reminded John that he would likely be arrested for these murders down the road if he didn't talk. But John Holmes did not seem to give a shit. Wow. Now, detectives Lang and Souza were pissed, not only because this whole operation really didn't get them a lot of anything, but also because they felt like as the lead detectives on the case, they should have been the ones interviewing John. Yeah. But their boss had gone over their heads and put Helvin in charge because of all his experience and seniority. But now John Holmes was walking out the door and likely going to try to disappear, just making this whole fucking investigation more complicated. It's like, that's so stupid. It doesn't matter about experience and seniority and all that. It's my case. These are the two guys working the case. They have all the information. And I guess they went over to their boss, like when they found out this was going on and they were like, is this our case or not? Yeah. And one of them actually almost stepped down, but decided not to. Man, that'd be frustrating. I'd be pissed. So pretty much as soon as John walked out of that hotel room, he had the intention of running. Don dyed his hair black, and they spray-painted Sharon's car to help disguise their identity. Wow. And then John decided that they would make their way down to Florida. So first they stopped in Vegas, and then they made their way to Montana, and eventually all the way down to Miami Beach. They stayed in super seedy hotels along the way, and to make money, Don would have to turn tricks, and John would break into cars just stealing valuables. Wow. Now, when they finally settled in Miami Beach, John got a job as a handyman for the hotel that they were staying at. And he also worked at some of the other hotels along the Strip. Oh, yeah, because he was very handy. I forgot. He was very handy. LOL. LOL. And the manager of the hotel that they were staying at let Don clean rooms and operate the switchboard. Oh, okay. What is that? Like a, I love, I love that you just asked that. <laughs> Switchboard is like what they would use to like transfer calls and stuff. Oh, okay. Like an operator. I like tried to figure that out. So probably calls from out. the rooms and such. That makes sense. So yeah, she would operate the switchboard and she would clean rooms and that would like go toward their rent. So there she'd do go. it without pay, but they'd get a room. Yeah. So Don said actually that things were good for a while in Miami. They made friends with some other people staying in the area, and John's temper kind of evened out for a while. She said like for once they were a normal couple, like going to dinner, movies, stuff like that. You weren't though. No, you were on the run. Yeah. I don't think she necessarily realized that. No, because she's still young. She's still super young. So things started to look up, and Don felt comfortable approaching John and telling him that she didn't want to be involved in sex work anymore. She was like, I just don't want to do this anymore. And she thinks that he's in an approachable place right now. Oh, no. Uh, John had not changed like she thought he had. And this is where there's going to be a big trigger warning for domestic abuse. Mm. 
So the two immediately started fighting back and forth, which led John to putting his hands on her for what would be the last time. She ran out of their motel room and down to the pool area with John just chasing behind her. And when the two of them finally made it down to the pool, Don had nowhere to go. And John just beat the shit out of her like there wasn't a bunch of people watching this. Oh my God. And when he was done, he just huffed away and stormed upstairs back to the room, leaving her just like lying on the ground in front of all these people. And no one stepped in to help her? Not while it was happening. So she was terrified, hurt, and absolutely mortified that a a bunch of people had just seen this. Yeah, of course. Now, luckily, the people down there that night were on to John. They had seen how he was with Dawn, and they'd seen her with bruises and stuff like that in the past, and they wanted to put a stop to it. So the next day, I think they all were very scared of John. Yeah, he's an actual monster. Right. So the next day when he was at work, a few of the people who had seen what went down at the pool went up to Don's room and they offered to help her. There were two women who offered her a job. They were a mom and daughter. And the daughter had just moved into a house and gotten a new job for herself. And she needed somebody to look after her kids because she had new hours. And she knew that Dawn had helped out babysitting some of the kids at the hotel in the past. So she offered her not only the job, but she also said, you can live in my house. Wow. Like while this is all happening. And for this woman to do that, to Mm -hmm. step in, that's really like risky and brave exactly absolutely and just like what a guardian angel for her to have in that moment so dawn accepted immediately she packed her shit and she got out of there good she got out good for you i was so proud of her good for you so that was in the beginning of december they had got on the run in like early july so she had gone through months and months. I mean, that's like me wrapping it up very quickly. Yeah. But that was at least, what, is that five months of just... Of just abuse. Bullshit, and, abuse, oh, horrific God. nightmares. John Holmes. So Detectives Lang and Souza had been working their case against Eddie Nash and John Holmes tirelessly ever since John had walked out of that hotel room in the beginning of July. Now, for the, fa- for the past five months, they were doing their best to dig up any information they could on him. So tips started coming in, and from time to time, they were helpful, and other times they were just completely useless. Mm. Now, they had visited with Sharon a couple times within that span, and she confirmed that John was probably traveling with Don. So the detectives figured out a way to get in touch with Don's family to see if they had heard from her. Now, during their time on the run, John and Don had actually seen her family very briefly. But what was helpful is that she would call from time to time, and they were finally able to trace some of those calls back to the Miami area. They weren't, I think, I don't know if it was like payphones or something like that, but they couldn't trace an exact location. They just knew they were in that greater area. Okay. Now, what was incredibly helpful was that Don's youngest brother was actually willing to help the police out and participate in tracking Don down because they had like a super close relationship. And the detectives were like, we need to get her away from this man because not only is he incredibly dangerous, but there are incredibly dangerous people looking for him. Exactly. Like she's just going to be wrapped up in this. And she's going to be collateral damage here. I think that's the exact word that they used in one of the things that I watched. Truly. So the brother flew out to Miami and got to work trying to find his sister. And when he finally did get a hold of her, he asked her just like, do you want to go for a drive? Like meet with me and let's go for a drive and just catch up. So he picks her up, she agrees, but she realizes pretty quickly that they're being followed by the cops because the cops are trailing behind them this whole time. Oh boy. Now her brother admitted to her that he had helped the cops to get her here, but he explained that she needed to help them or John was going to end up dead. And if she did stay with him, she was also going to end up dead. 
boy. Like I said, there was a lot of people beyond Ed Nash who were pissed off at John Holmes and would jump at the chance to take him out. He also told her everything they had against John and that they were working on getting him at this point on four counts of murder and one count of attempted murder. Because by this time in the investigation, they actually had evidence against John Holmes. They had his partial palm print that was found in Preston blood on Ron's bed frame. Whoa. So they have a partial palm print now. Oh, damn. Now, we it, got evidence. We got evidence. It looked as if John was holding onto the bed frame with one hand to kind of like steady himself mm-hmm. while using the other to most likely beat Ron over the head. Wow. Now, John had always made it seem like he was simply there for the murders. At some point or another, he finally comes out and says that he was there with Gregory Dial, or he doesn't actually name names, but they assumed Gregory Dials, yeah. and then two other men, and that he just watched everything and somebody held a gun to his head. That's always the case. Always the case. there. Now... I didn't actually participate. Yeah. I have my own little theory that he... I don't know if he participated in most of the murders, but I know that when it came time to take Ron out, John definitely joined in because Ron hated John and took every opportunity to make it known that he did. He would hit him. He had abused him. Like, he fucking hated this guy. So it would not shock me that John would want in on this. Of course. And the fact that he showed up at Sharon's house completely drenched in blood. You didn't just get completely drenched in blood by not actively participating in any race you would have spatter on standing in the corner you might have a few blood drops on you or exactly even even a good amount but you're not going to be completely covered no so in my opinion and And your palm print is there and why else would your palm print be? why were you that close to one of the bodies why if you aren't participating in it doesn't make any sense no angie's list is now angie and we've heard a lot of theories about why i thought it was an eco move fewer words less paper no it was so you could say it faster no it's to be more iconic must be a tech thing but those aren't quite right it's because now you can compare upfront prices book a service instantly and even get your project handled from start to finish sounds easy it is and it makes us so much more than just a list get started at angie.com that's a-n-g-i or download the app today So Dawn had a choice to make now. She was scared, but she knew the right thing to do was to tell the cops where John was. It was the right thing to do for countless reasons, and not only so that justice could be served, but in her mind, so that John didn't end up killed, because again, here's a woman who kind of still loves him in yeah, a way, you know? it's one of those unfortunate things. She was groomed for most uh, yeah, of her that's the other thing. teenage years. She was groomed at a very young age, so mm-hmm. it's like her mind is just completely and, melded into what he wants it to be. Right, because she was pulled, not only groomed at a young age, but pulled into such a dark life. Yeah, and pulled from a, a tough life, so mm-hmm. It's like she was really in a spot that she was vulnerable. She was young. It was the perfect recipe to groom this this kid. It really was. To be something that he could abuse and take advantage of. Mm-hmm. He's a piece of shit. He's absolute garbage. So she told the cops exactly where he was. And she also explained that he might look a little different because they had dyed his hair black. And I Whoops. think um, they had the car like put in a garage somewhere or something like that and she also explained that not super important so (laughs) but when the cops showed up to his room john being the fucking asshole smart ass that he was looked at them and asked what took you so long get fuck off get fucked fuck right off into the sun you know what took us so long you ran 
away you, oh, you little pussy ass bitch i love that he's that's like, what i would have said like shut up well in in the book that i was reading malice in wonderland um they were saying that he probably assumed that he was going to get the same treatment that he had before yeah so he was like kind of like so he's like okay like fuck you and then when he realized that he was actually going to jail and he was being arrested on four counts of murder and one account one count of attempted murder he wasn't super excited anymore that that big dick energy went away real fast yeah exactly yeah (laughs) (laughs) he was arrested immediately like i said on four counts of murder and one count of attempted murder and extradited back to california where he was to stand trial bye bitch bye you would think so the trial began in march of 1982 with the prosecution focusing heavily on the fact that john was dissatisfied with his cut from the eddie nash robbery and the fact that he was the one to open the door in not only the eddie nash robbery but also for whoever had gone in with him that night to wonderland yeah now, without John Holmes to open the door, they said these murders may have never happened. It's true because they wouldn't let anybody up. Right, exactly. Not that night, at least. Now, the biggest piece of evidence that they had, like I said, was that partial palm print that belonged to John and was found on Ron's bed. But the defense argued that John Holmes was simply another victim of Eddie Nash's and that he'd been forced by Eddie Nash and his accomplices to leave the door open. John Holmes isn't a victim. Get out of here. He certainly is not. John refused to testify because he knew what would ent- it would entail speaking about Eddie Nash, which he was terrified to do because, I think I said earlier, Eddie Nash had threatened to kill John's yeah. entire family after the robbery and actually started naming out where different family members lived. Oof. He was like, your mom, she's here, right? Your dad, oh yeah, he lives there. Oh, your that's sister, terrifying. Like, I can somewhat understand why he didn't want to testify, but you're still a piece of shit. And John knew Eddie Nash was going to make good on his promises. Yeah. For some reason, Eddie Nash wasn't called in to testify, which is weird, but he actually showed up one day and sat in the back of the courtroom. Oh, damn. Just to be like a... Just to be like an an imposing figure. Yeah. But since John Holmes refused to testify, the jury really didn't have a super clear sense of this case. Like, they didn't quite understand well there's a lot of moving pieces there's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of people not around to really say what happened yeah so john holmes ended up being acquitted on all charges in june of 1982 wow he did have to serve 110 days in jail for contempt because he refused to testify uh but strangely enough the trial ended up leading john getting back into the porn industry okay yeah Wild that facing murder charges would rekindle somebody's celebrity status, but it yeah. did. After, like, in public, you know, abusing your girlfriend. Yeah. Your underage girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. You can just and, go back to your yep, super right great back. life. Cool. Yeah. So John's good friend and actually very famous porn producer, Bill Amerson, set up a production company and Jesus. had John listed as an executive. Oh, get the fuck out. And they started raking in, like, serious money again. Awesome. John, at that point, kind of seemed to be somewhat drug-free and was, quote-unquote, halfway reliable. Halfway reliable. That's what you that's always what want out of somebody. That's what you want out of somebody listed as an executive in your company. Everybody wants to be described as halfway reliable. Yeah, put that on yeah. your next resume and see how that For goes. Sure. But eventually, obviously, he turned back to drugs. And according to Bill Emerson, he stole about a quarter of a million dollars from the company. Oh my God. He yeah. can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. But now he he's going to stop. 
He's, it's going to stop. Because in 1985, he got life-changing news. He was diagnosed with AIDS. Wow. In the beginning, he didn't tell anyone other than his new girlfriend and actually still continued acting in different porn films. Oh, so he subjected other people to AIDS knowingly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the people in the industry just thought that he had colon cancer. That was the story that he told them. Oh, man. But over the years, his condi- his condition and complications with the virus got worse and worse. <clears throat> and finally, it got to the point in 1988 where he was hospitalized and was expected to pass away at any moment. Wow. So in February of 88, Detectives Lang and Souza went to visit him because he was on his deathbed. Yeah. So they're like, you know, maybe we can get something out of you. And the Wonderland case had been reopened and Nash now was being looked at as the key suspect. So they hoped that since John, again, was on death's doorstep and probably not so worried about what Nash could do to him now, he might say something. But unfortunately, John wasn't in any state to give up information. Oh, he no. was laying in the ha- in the hospital bed half conscious and nothing he said was coherent. Oh, shit. Yeah. He died just a month later on March 13th, 1988, taking almost everything he knew about July 1st, 1981 with him to the grave. Fuck. Yeah. Now, part of the reason why the Wonderland case had reopened was because of somebody that I mentioned in the beginning of this episode, Scott Thornson. He was the one who was with Liberace. Oh, okay. Now, Scott Thornson at this time had recently been arrested on burglary charges, and he was working on a plea deal with the police. If he would testify against Eddie Nash, he would end up with a reduced sentence, which he was fully willing to do. So, in 1988, Eddie Nash was arrested, along with his bodyguard, Gregory Diles, on the same four counts of murder and one count of attempted murder that John Holmes had faced about six years earlier. Now, not only had Scott Thornton told authorities what he'd seen on the night of July 1st, 1981, but other people came forward and talked about their experiences that they'd had with Gregory Diles in the past. Now, some people who had been kicked out of Nash's clubs said that Gregory Diles actually got violent with them once they were kicked out. Oh, damn. And on more than one occasion and more than one person reported that they were hit with what they described as a billy club. Ooh. So years before he got arrested for these murders and people started talking about this, he actually went to prison because he was pulled over with that billy club, which turned out to be a metal pipe. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. A metal pipe, and I guess it had like a bicycle handle fashion to one end. Yeah. Damn. So he served time for possession of a deadly weapon. Could that have been the same weapon that killed four people on Wonderland Avenue? Probably. Wow. But the world may never know because their first trial for the murders ended with a hung jury, 11 to 1. Are you kidding me? Do you want to know why one person couldn't decide whether or not he was guilty? Do I? There was one juror who just wouldn't go along with the decision that the rest had come to. And they definitely would have gotten like life in prison for these murders. Yeah. In later years, the authorities learned that Eddie Nash had bribed one juror with $50,000. Are you kidding me? So he and Greg ended up getting retried, but were acquitted. Wow. Can you believe this? Wow. Tomfoolery. This is exactly tomfoolery. This is tomfoolery. Truly. 
So over the years, Eddie Nash was in and out of jail on different charges. Like I said, right after the murders, the police raided his house and he went to jail or to prison for four years. Yeah. But that was not enough to the police, the FBI, anybody involved in this case since the beginning. They were chomping at the bit to get Eddie Nash behind bars for these murders. Yeah. But since he was acquitted, they were going to have to take a different angle because double jeopardy, you know. So he was arrested again. (laughs) Ashley Judd, you know, I'm named after her. Yeah. He was arrested again in 2000 on about 16 different federal racketeering charges, which included running a drug trafficking ring, bribing a juror in his original case, money laundering, and finally, conspiracy to carry out the Wonderland murders. Oh, we're getting sly here. We're getting crafty with it. Now, by this point, Eddie was in his 70s and his health was failing. Gregory Diles actually had passed away in 97 from liver failure. Damn. So Eddie was on his own for this one. Now, he took a plea deal and he pleaded guilty to all the charges. But when it came to the Wonderland murders, he said he had simply organized a robbery to get his things back from Wonderland. He said, I recognize the violence during said robbery (laughs) may have led to murder, but it was... Not my intention or my plan to have the people there murdered that night. I do not for one second believe that. Not for one millisecond do I believe that you are not going to murder these people. I believe Scott Thornton, who was probably shitting a brick while he was sitting there listening to you say, like, he also went on and said, like, bring me their eyeballs. Whoa. Like, he wanted these people brutalized. Yeah. Of course, he was pissed. He was it pissed. It was clear that he was pissed. He had been There's made a no fool of. no way off. this guy was going to have them just take back his shit. No. No. Not at all. That's not at all what was happening. And I love that he's like, maybe some people were murdered. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. It's like, I, you know what you do? It's possible. It happened. Yeah. That is That happened. There were other people connected to Eddie Nash that would turn up dead mysteriously, and he'd be like, I don't know what you happened there. Oh, maybe someone died. Literally, right after the murders, a man died in his house. Oh. And when the police got there, it like looked like it was an overdose, but they were like, it very clearly looked like an overdose because somebody wanted it to look yeah. that way, but there was no way for us to prove that, so yeah. we kind of just had to... Let it be ruled Just go with it. But like, this is the kind of man we're talking about. Damn. So when it came time for sentencing, Eddie Nash was sentenced to four and a half years and a $250,000 fine. What is reality? And he only spent about two years in prison because of time served. And how old was he? He was like he was like in his seventies. He flew entirely under the radar once he got out of prison until 2014, when it was announced that he had passed away at 85 years old. Wow! So four people ended up brutally murdered over drugs and guns, and the two main people involved were really never proven to be guilty. We will never know who else was involved in the Wonderland wow. murders, and for that reason, the case technically remains unsolved. Wow. But Tom Lang said of the case, there's no mystery. We know who is involved and we know why. Yeah, it's just a matter of not being able to get the full confession. Now, some people say that the Wonderland house is haunted, which like, duh. Uh, Yeah. They say that John Holmes still hangs around inside the house and that the people who were murdered there, Joy Miller, Billy DeVerell, Ron Lanius, and Barbara Butterfly Richardson still lurk around. Now, I couldn't really find too many actual experiences that people have had, but one source claimed that people have felt like they were being pushed or pulled, especially in the middle of the night. 
And another source said, don't get too close to the TV, but didn't explain why. I mean, that's just good practice for life. I that's think. just like good for your eyes. Like you should never get too close to the TV. That's bad for your eyes. Yeah. I was like, so what happens if you do? He's like, I just care about all your vision. That's I'm, all. Yeah. I just wanted to let you know. Sue me. Okay. No, it seems like a family lives at the house now. Like literally there's a minivan parked in the garage these days. Woof. Uh, but they don't want anything to do with talking about this Yeah, murder. I don't blame them at all. But wow, what a choice. Or these murders, I should say. But isn't that bonkers bananas cuckoo Damn. nuts? Damn. Like, there were other people there that night, and they might be walking around. Wow. I mean, what was... It was 81. They'd like, be old, right? Th- maybe not, if they were in their 20s in the 80s. Oh, I forget that this is 81. Yeah. And not in the, like, early 70s. Well, it kind of, like... It uh, all Like, John begins. Holmes started in the yeah. 70s. But yeah, like, there could yeah. very well be people just walking around who know exactly know exactly what happened that night damn but we just won't know because john holmes is dead eddie nash is dead gregory dials is dead david lynn died and susan doesn't remember anything holy shit and the fact that susan like just doesn't remember anything it's like oh i know i'm honestly i'm happy for her that she doesn't it's a blessing for her to not remember that i'm sure i can't imagine going on living my life like hearing what had happened yeah but like imagine if she had actually remembered what happened everything but holy but i hope she's like thriving because what because she wasn't like part of any of the no she wasn't she part was the of the gang activities just like she used drugs and she peripheral. lived there but she was not interested in the activities because she was the one who had been kidnapped in mexico yeah yeah, yeah. Okay, and was like was the one. i'm not interested i'm not interested yeah and she was 25 when this happened wow. she was my age that's crazy isn't that bonkers and like barbara richardson literally had never committed a crime well like it's speculated that she helped david lind when they were dating but she didn't have any official charges wow like, had never committed a crime technically in her life. And this is how she died. This is why you got to be careful, man. Mm-hmm. Who, who you get wrapped up with. And who you get wrapped up with. Yeah, because when they called her family, her family was like, <clears throat> what? Like, what? <laughs> like, they didn't really know a lot about David Lind or anything like yeah. that. It's like bad so people, sad. man. They bring bad stuff. 22 years Just old. Just be real careful about who you associate with because it Definitely. does, it can affect you. And don't agree to do anything that you don't want to do. No, That you exactly. think is going to end up in leading to trouble. Yeah, because it, it oftentimes does. Yeah, this whole Holy tale shit. is a cautionary tale the, of who to not fuck around with. Yeah, it's a cautionary tale from start to finish, to it's, be honest. It's a cautionary tale of fuck around and find yeah, out. Yeah, for real. Holy shit. So that's the story of the Wonderland murders. I can't Damn. recommend malice in wonderland enough it's by robert souza and tom lang and they were the lead detectives on the case so they have all the inside scoop that's also an amazing name oh yeah malice in wonderland whoever thought of that just genius like, shake your hand and they go like so far into like little things that i didn't want to take from the book obviously yeah. so definitely check yeah it out. we'll definitely link it and in the meantime we hope you keep listening and we hope you keep it weird but not so weird that any of this happens to you because you really shouldn't wrap yourself up with people that are going to lead you to be in this position because it's just like so scary but so weird that you buy my book definitely keep it so weird that you buy the book tinyurl.com slash the butcher and the run do it and so weird that you come to our live show momenthost.com slash morbid (laughs) but most importantly tinyurl.com slash the butcher and the run whoop whoop i love that book oh this is a bad one
Follow Morbid on the Wondery app, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to episodes early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. If you're listening to this podcast, then chances are good you are a fan of The Strange, Dark, and Mysterious. And if that's true, then you're in luck. Because, once again, Mr. Ballin Podcast, Strange, Dark, and Mysterious Stories is available everywhere you get your podcasts. Each week on the Mr. Ballin Podcast, you'll hear new stories about inexplicable encounters, shocking disappearances, true crime cases, and everything in between. Like our recent episode titled White Dust. After a middle-aged couple fail to answer their daughter's messages and calls, the daughter drives the few hours to her parents' house to check on them, But after arriving and seeing both her parents' cars in the driveway, the daughter gets an uneasy feeling and just can't stomach going inside. To hear the rest of that story and hear hundreds more stories like it, follow Mr. Ballin Podcast on Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts. Prime members can listen early and ad-free on Amazon Music.